Welcome to another episode of the Peak Potential Success Show. My name is Paul Chua. I'm an entrepreneur, business strategist, real estate investor, speaker, and also a best-selling author. And every single day, I help others unlock potentials and guide them to succeed. Today, I have another amazing individual. This person I've had the privilege to actually share a virtual stage with at a conference. And once I heard her speak, I thought, wow, this content is absolutely valuable for my listeners. And I couldn't wait to have her on. Now, she's an author of a few books, uh, The Dynamic Woman, Success Stories, Confidence Secrets, and also Keys to Success. Uh, She loves coaching high achievers, high performers to exceed their potential. But here's the magical part with balance. So please welcome the award-winning coach, speaker, and CEO of the Dynamic Woman Global Club and podcast, The Dynamic, Diane Rawson. Amazing, Fong. I feel like we should be like, let's get ready to rumble the way you bring it. (laughs) Thank you for welcoming me here. It's got to be a dynamic intro for somebody (laughs) so dynamic as yourself, right? So, well, thank you very much for being here. How's your day been going? It's been great, yeah. Coaching clients, and uh, working with my team on a new summit that's coming up. So yeah, lots of stuff happening. Awesome. Never, never ends with entrepreneurs and business people, right? There's always something going on, always something coming up. You're very right. Yes. Now, for people who don't know who you are, uh, yep. who might want to learn more about yourself, uh, give us a kind of cold notes, that journey towards who you are now. Yeah, thanks for asking. You know, every time I... I speak on a stage, uh, even if it's like 10 people, 10,000 people, when I coach, I always think it's important to know kind of where I came from. And so I'm glad we could start here. So thanks for that. Um, If we go all the way back, I actually grew up to a blue collar family in Ontario. Um, My dad was a boilermaker. My mom was a waitress. And so, you know, when I grew up, I was instilled with a lot of really great values And I had two older brothers. I think that made me a little bit feisty, uh, always trying to kind of step up and be like the boys. And at school, what we were realizing is that the teacher would put me beside the struggling kid, the new kid, um, the bullied kid. And they knew that they could trust me. And I realized this later. They knew they could trust me to either um, or both help them to kind of step into their confidence and to fit in because inclusivity is such a value of mine, but also to help them learn in a different way, whatever it was that they were learning. And in sports, I was often put as the captain of teams and, and I had to, you know, encourage them in their, in their ability, even when we were losing. And so over the years, I was told that I was a leader. I was told that I thrived in these different settings. And so I really always had, I felt like, had to be older than I was and really step into it. But then when it came to like, what do you want to be when you're older? I'm like, I don't know. I I didn't know what that looks like. And what I found was that at that time in high school and moving on, I was, I'm the friend, friends with everyone, yet not a lot of close friends, because I find that that's what leaders do. That's what solopreneurs do, you know, where we're so focused on, on different things that we're working on that we don't necessarily get to have those other relationships. And, you know, fast forward many years, I was like, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? I got into teaching because I was like, what am I supposed to do? I'm not sure. And I did some speaking and I kept thinking, I just can't figure out what I'm supposed to do. And it wasn't until I was in a job as a speaker and a trainer and a leader that I was coming home at night and thinking, why am I so tired? I'm worn out. This 
Like maybe I'm not marrying the guy I'm supposed to be marrying. Maybe this is what getting older looks like. And I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't. And I've been able to figure out so many things. And maybe some of your listeners are in this place of like something's missing and they just, they can't figure it out. Right. So eventually I was like, you know, what? I'm, I'm going to hire a coach to help me because I know I'm smart, but it's that Les Brown quote. When you're in the frame, you can't see the picture, right? When you're in it, you, you can't see what, what's needed. So I hired a coach. I got the clarity that I needed. She helped me to get into action, do the steps that I needed to actually leave my nine to five and start a business. And I actually birthed a business and a baby at the same time. So <laughs> finally, though, I was in alignment. You know, I got into coaching. I did my certification. I started a women's community, like you said, called the Dynamic Women Global Club. And I had two kids. And over the past decade, I've run over 400 events. I've hosted over 100 podcast episodes. And you know what that's like. I've done all of this while raising two kids and not losing my cool. So... <laughs> I realized that over, over time, while we may be smart and we may be creative and we may be resilient, it, I really couldn't have done the things I did without coaches. Mm. And people say, well, now that you're successful, do you still need a coach? I'm like, uh-huh, but not one. I've got like five for different areas of my life. And so now I love that I can work with business owners and leaders in order to help them to really understand what lights them up? What can they do to like really be in their core competencies, but also not be on the hamster wheel? Mm. Very, very well said. Um, a lot of people out there are so stuck in their own fog. They don't see what their own problem is, but they can tell everybody else, oh, you need to do this. You need to do that. But they don't listen to themselves sometimes. And that's why coaches are so important. Now, for yourself, what was those one or two things that the coach said to you that completely changed your life? Uh, one of them was really figuring out what my values were. And so there's a process that I take clients through now and in order to figure out your values. Now, I'm not saying your morals like integrity and honesty. No, I'm talking about like the things that light you up. As soon as I figured, okay, these things light me up. These are the things I will fight for. I will stand on my soapbox for. Mm -hmm. Once I had those things be in alignment with every single area of my life, as well as the things I do in my business, that's what's giving me this energy because I can lead a workshop with a headache, mm -hmm. right? Because I'm so passionate. I'm sure you're the same way and your listeners probably are too. So that's one thing live and work according to your values. And another thing is, and this is what I, I now preach on all the time, is start measuring your life according to your satisfaction rather than your success. Mm -hmm. That's huge because I was success driven because I'm a type, high achieving, all this. And I was only though happy when I was achieving a success. Success is fleeting right? But when you measure according to satisfaction, you're more clear about the things that really you should be focusing on. Mm. And you can have happiness now and every day on the way to success. Plus you often have more success. So those are the two, two main things. Amongst many, many others, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, and these are like two of the things that I work on my, with my clients on right away, because just like my clients, I've had 
the feeling of overwhelm and stress. I've had anxiety. I've had postpartum depression, not once, but twice. And to run a business, you know, I've also just this year, my father passed away and like how to keep a business going or how to even keep your career going during a major loss. These are the things that people don't always talk about, you know, and, and the people I work with, I say to them, bring me your mess (laughs) so that you can go be magnificent out there. But not a lot of people have that support, that person to bounce ideas off of, or just kind of get through the muck that sometimes our life throws at us. And, and because you mentioned that, what, why, what would you say is the main reason that holds people back from sharing, from sharing their issues, sharing their problems? Uh, and, and then how would you overcome that? A lot of it is pride. <laughs> and you don't want to seem like things are messy. Mm-hmm. You want things to appear to be great because if you're either running a business or you're in your job to show that kind of lack of perfection, that messiness makes you feel maybe like people will doubt you, mm-hmm. that people won't buy from you. But I learned that in order to be a really good leader, you have to be vulnerable. You have to be. But the, here's the clincher that everyone like take notes on this one. What you have to remember is you never speak about the vulnerability publicly if you're right in the middle of it. If you're basically like the tsunamis hit you and you are in the waves and you can't breathe. You never talk about it in that moment because you're not ready to talk about it. You talk about it afterwards when you're back on land and you can reflect back on how it was because then you can share the teachings of it. Now, when my father was in palliative care and was passing away, that was like a week. I did share with people that this was happening, but I wasn't speaking. It was in messages. And the thing is, people say, well, social media is highlights real and people should show the real stuff. People only get to see the fully real vulnerable stuff if they've earned it. So I call this like circles of, of closeness. And so the people closest to you, you need to open up to them and you need to talk to them and they have earned the right and the respect and they'll give it back to you to be in that center position. Then you kind of go outside, outside, outside. And the people out here don't need to, to see all of that. You know, if we had a president step up from a business, a company, and just say, oh, man, I'm just not sure if I can do my job, right? Everyone's like, what kind of faith can I have in you? I don't have confidence in you. Mm. But people need to share it because in sharing it, you, it's like the power that it holds over you dissipates. Mm. And one of those people that you share it to is probably your coach or your mentor who you would probably have to go through a period of time to actually have that person within that sphere of influence that you're going to allow to share that information to them. So what would you tell people uh, who are looking for a coach? What are the aspects that they need to look for in order for them to put that person in that circle? So it's something I call designing relationships. And this is something that happens in coaching. And it's quite different to maybe other professions. You would never have a counselor maybe say to you, how do you want me to counsel you? (laughs) 
right? Uh, but coaches do that. And if, you're, if your coach is not designing how you will work with them, then maybe they're not a real coach. And by real coach, I mean an ICF approved coach who has gone through the proper certification and who also is continuing to abide by that. And so I immediately design with my, with my clients, how do you want to be coached? How do you want me to be when you have a success? How do you want me to be when, when you don't do what you say you'll do? Mm-hmm. And that tells me a lot about how I can be with them. If I can coach them really fiercely and call them on their BS, or if I have to be a little bit softer. Um, but it's funny. I haven't had an issue with people opening up to me at a conference. I was doing laser coaching sessions in the hallway as people were walking by and we only had 15 minutes. And in that 15 minutes, oftentimes people would divulge the most private things and potentially even cry. And that was in such a small time. And I think people are starved for a safe place to just release. Right. Now, is there a specific style that you, you enjoy the most? Style of coaching? Do you like, do you like being that drill sergeant type of coach? Or do you (laughs) like being that nice and soft, comfy coach? Or do you like to be the one that just hmm, listens and gives sound advice here and there? What kind of coaching do you You like? I would rather ask one question than five. Hmm. Like, let's get to it. Let's be productive. Let's make the best use of your time. It's kind of like when I go for a massage, like don't tickle my skin. Let's actually work on the sore muscles. (laughs) And so I have the same approach with my clients, but I gauge depending on how they are. And we redesign relationships. So I've had some people come in, they've been feeling a little bit more emotional. I'm not going to be as as firm with them. And then eventually they say, hey, Diane, can I redesign? And I go, yeah, what would you like? And they go, I want you to coach me more fiercely. And I'm like, cool, let's do it. And so I can tell where people are and I can really gauge that. And that's a skill that I've had since I was younger to be able to know when to push and when you need that kind of accountability and when you can, I can ease off and come with a more hard approach. Mm-hmm. But I will say, I do love moving quickly with clients. Yeah. And so I've had some people come to me with a goal they had for three years from then and accomplish it in a month to three months. Yeah. Because I love efficiency. I have so many hacks for how to do things faster or how to do one thing, but have three results come to be. And so that's another benefit that my clients get. It's not just like, let's work through this and have some life coaching. It's let's get the strategy behind. Like when you actually figure out what you're going to do, let's get the strategy to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to ask you to go back in time where you're standing at the fork in the road and go, okay, if I go status quo, I'm going to still become an employee and work and work and work and raise my child, or I'm going to grow that business and start that business. What was the deepest fear that you were facing at that time and then what was either said to you or what did you change in your mindset that allowed you to go you know what I'm going this way it's funny as soon as I said to my coach I think I want to be a coach she said finally and I said what do you mean she said I've seen it in you all along and so I said well when does when you know tell me about your school and I found out that the school actually started the next program four days later I had to pay my money that day. I had to call in sick at work. And at that point, there was zero, zero hesitation to starting. Mm -hmm. I actually had to jump through a lot of hoops to get in. And the thing that happened later, though, 
was attending my first networking event and feeling like an imposter because <laughs> I was there saying that I was a coach, but I wasn't a coach yet. Mm-hmm. And so the biggest thing that I struggled with was imposter syndrome. Are they going to find out that I'm not certified yet? Are they going to ask me how many clients I have? And I'm like three. And so in the beginning, it was feeling like an amateur or a novice when I was used to feeling like a master. And that was the biggest thing. I was masterful at my job. Now, would I, would I change it? No, never. I wouldn't. I, I was slowly wasting away where I was. It was oh. eating away at me. During that time, uh, I'm going to go out on a limb that you started telling people that that was the decision you're going to make. You're going to start your own business. You're going to start doing all this stuff that was new to everybody else within your sphere of influence. <laughs> and I'm going to go off on a limb again and say a lot of them will tell you, don't do it. It's too risky. Now, how did you avoid that? You know, the worst thing that was said to me was probably my father. <laughs> he said, it's always the family members. <laughs> well, there goes four years of tuition down the drain. Ouch. So you can do what? Tell people how to live their life? Really? Mm-hmm. People need that. So he was like in the trades sort of thing, right? Blue collar. Like, what are you doing? This is a pipe dream sort of idea. And I just had to suck it up and go back to my cheerleaders and not listen and go back to my fans and go back to the people who believed in me. And everybody needs a fan or a cheerleader. And I, I still need fans and cheerleaders because as I grow my business and myself, I hit like, it's like new level, new devil. There are people that want to cut you down. I've had slander issues where people have been slandering me because they're, they want to take away my success. And so I have to keep coming back to my people and say, am I really like that? Did I re- am I really bad? Is this really what people think of me? And then they're like, no, Diane, you're this and you're that and you're this and you're that. And sometimes before I go on stage or before I speak, I'll have, to, oh, tell me, tell me why I'm good. Tell me, or I'll read stuff that clients have said because I have that like moment of like, is, uh, am I really good? So I think that's what people need to have those people around you that will fan your flame, that will help you to really step into it continuously because every day it's a choice. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you keep that motivation going? Like, how do you start off your day? And then also, what do you do right before you go up on stage? Yeah. Okay. That was two things. So how do I start my day? Well, I start my day with getting my like kids ready um, for school, but as soon as they're off, that's when my day starts. Um, Well, the first thing I do in bed actually is I read my Bible app. I do my devotional that helps. And I do deep breathing to help me to just center myself. Cause sometimes I do have anxiety in the morning. And I think that comes from the hormonal changes that, that us ladies go through um, especially post, um, postpartum after babies and then I hit the forest the forest is such a great place for me as a competitive athlete and someone who loves to like be physical in my body and then be in nature that helps me to be grounded and so when I'm just about to go on stage I have to be by myself some people like like to be jumping around and doing all this stuff I'd rather just have some quiet time by myself 
in the hallway. Sometimes I scoot to the bathroom because if I'm in the hallway, people want to talk to me. And so I really take that time to be quiet and I tap into what do I hope that the woman at the back of the room hears from me? Mm. What is my main thing? And then I say a little prayer to be like, now help me to say that properly. And in a way, because how you deliver it matters, right? Fong, you know that. Um, how am I going to reach the woman at the back of the room who needs to hear it most? And I say a prayer that I actually say the right words and deliver it in the right way. Mm. And that usually calms my nerves because then I'm like, okay, I'm just going to do it. And it seems like it just comes out of me. Mm. I'll add in a new story or something, just trusting that I'm meant to share that at the time. Well, very, very powerful. Um, when, when you were talking about the, uh, the, your, your path towards becoming a coach and yep. opening up your business, you've also kind of mentioned that you, people already saw that coach inside you. You're mm. that motivator. You're that uh, cheerleader. You're that person that helps people along. Was there one specific skill set that you found that, you know what, I'm really lacking this skill set when you made the decision to go full time doing this business? And what skill set is that and what did you do about it? Yeah. And this is what I see falter in so many new business owners. It's systems and processes. Mm. Everything I did needed to have a system and a process, but I didn't go to business school. So I didn't know what that was. And maybe I applied some in my career, but not to the extent that you need to do when you're a business owner. And so that's what I often do with new business owners is we sit down and we think, well, what are the systems and processes that you need? And now I keep refining them to make them even more efficient. And especially when I pass them off to my team for them to, to be able to do it. Mm -hmm. yeah, I, I had no, no idea. And one book that I'd really highly recommend people read is E-Myth. Mm -hmm. So if people are considering, they're like, I'm really good at what I do. Read the E-Myth because you need to know that you're probably a technician. You're not a manager and you're not a CEO. I had to learn how to manage other people because I want to be everybody's friend, but you can't when you're in the business owner role. And then I had to learn how to be the CEO and not just coach, but vision and vision planning and all those pieces, but systems and processes, number one. Nice. Um, I alluded to this during the introduction and I said there was that magic word and that's balance. Mm. Everybody wants to have work-life -life balance. I've heard people say, you know what, you got this, this, and this, pick two out of three. So how do you find that balance? And is it true that sometimes there's going to be sacrifices? Oh, there's always going to be sacrifices for sure. Yeah. Um, balance can seem like a swear word or like a unicorn. What I see it as everyone has their own perfect balance that works for them. That's why we can never compare ourselves to others because we don't know what other people are dealing with. But you must have balance, not just in your work and your life. You have to have balance in your whole life. Now, I'm making a circle motion because I use the Wheel of Life, which is a professional coaching tool. Mine has 10 areas. And so that blew my mind when I first saw that, that I was like, oh, my gosh, work is only one of the 10 areas. And so if people really want to balance their lives, they got to look at all 10 areas and then prioritize them so that when you know, life gets a little bit crazy. Like when my dad was in palliative care, 
I'll tell you, many things didn't matter anymore. And I call this the glass and the rubber balls. So when, if you imagine juggling, people that are overwhelmed are juggling, juggling. And when life gets crazy, you have to think which of these priorities can drop. So, okay, it's busy, busy. I think maybe my house doesn't have to be as clean. So that one bounces and it goes. And as much as I love my husband, maybe we don't need our date night this week. So I let that bounce. And oh, my kids are struggling at school. That's glass. I have to keep that going up. My health isn't so good. That's glass. I have to keep it going up. And we can then decide what to let bounce. But the trouble is when people get into stress and lack of balance, what they try to do is keep everything up in the air, keep everything going, and you just can't physically do that. So I call it maintenance mode. When life gets crazy, how do you go into maintenance mode? Got to figure that out. And it's different every time. Because <laughs> like sometimes when, uh, especially for moms, uh, they're, they're really struggling with the whole work-life balance. Mm -hmm. I have to take care of my kids. What, yep. was, uh, what was that thing that you need to really think about when you start realizing, hey, wait a minute, I, I do want to spend a lot of time with my kids, mm. but my business is also kind of like my kid. And yeah. there's lots of people that go, you know what, I'm going to sacrifice the business to focus more on the kids. Is that the right way? Or is there another way to kind of manage both? Because it's all really your children. Yeah. Well, let me ask you, Fong, what is one thing that is important in your life that would be equal to kids? Is it? Oh, probably my, my business as well. Family. Is there another thing in your life that you're like, oh, work and this other thing's important? Well, I do have kids. <laughs> okay. So. okay. So for some people, it's kids. For others, it's aging parents. For others, maybe they're um, a triathlete on the side, right? There are other, there are other pieces. And when people come to me and they say, Diane, I'm busy and I've got so much I want to do. And I feel guilty when I'm spending time here or there or whatever. I ask them, what do you have an abundance of time, energy, or money? And they'll, they might say time. They might have whatever it is. And then I ask them, and what do you need more of time, energy, or money? And by answering those two questions, it helps us to know if you need more time to spend with kids and you say you have an abundance of money, then let's hire people to do work in your business. If you want the more time with your kids or more energy for it, and you have an excess amount, so let's say you want more energy and you have some uh, time, then maybe the energy where you get energy is you go for a run every day which will help you over here to be able to do that. So once you know that, that's when you can start to decide how you can kind of balance those two pieces. And I know some people that they make a decision like, I will never take a speaking engagement or a client when it like interferes with a child's birthday or a sports game or anything. Um, so they make these decisions. You have to be very clear about what those decisions are. And then they just make it, they make their life choices based on that. So a set of guidelines almost mm. for, for me, I figure that I've been around my kids more. Like I'm the one that drops them off and I'm the one that picks them up. And I'm the one that's there when they're off for the day. And I'm the one that goes, you know, into the school or whatever and does things yet. I might also be away in Vegas at a mastermind. So it's 
that's balance. And I have to remind them though, <laughs> right? I have to remind them that they're not at after school care for two hours when working parents might be having yeah. them there. So, and I think the key, key thing there was to remind them and to show them, hey, I'm doing this and this so that we can have this together. And that's also a good way of being a role model to the kids because they go, oh, wow, look at my mom's doing both things instead yeah. of just focusing on one thing kind of thing. So that's I, I really like how you use the word uh, explaining it to them because sometimes they don't get that. <laughs> Yeah. And it's, it's all about designing the life you want. And when you figure out where will I find my satisfaction in life? And then how do I design things to get me to that point? So my family's in Ontario, you know, and, and it was, I didn't grow up with grandparents. They were in England. And so it was really, really important for me to then fly my family from BC to Ontario at least twice a year so that my kids had a relationship with the grandparents, both sets were there. And why, why in BC? People are like, why don't I just move to Ontario? My husband is a Kiwi. He loves BC because of the mountains and the water and everything. And so I'm honoring him. But then in order to have my satisfaction, I need to be able to fly back. If I was in a nine to five, I probably couldn't fly back twice a year and stay two weeks to four weeks each time. Now we fly, well, okay, not thinking of COVID times. We fly home four times a year. And we spend all of either all of August or a whole month in the summer. We're actually going um, this week. I couldn't do that if I was in a traditional job. And even this time, my husband can't come because he can't get off of work. And my boss is pretty nice, right? Let's me, uh, <laughs> lets me travel. Uh, so, so that's what you have to look at, too, is you get to design how you want things to be. Mm -hmm. Now, one thing I, I absolutely love doing with my clients is showing that they can maximize their time and they also can maximize their content and their efforts. Yeah. And something you talked about before was how do you do two, three, four things all yeah. at one time? Is there an example or a, a case study that you could share with us about one of the things that you were able to show your client what they can do to maximize yeah. on their time? Yeah, well, I'll grab this from behind me. The... Um... Dynamic You book, I actually taught as a program in order to write the book. So it was like, I need to write a book. I need to create a new program. I'll do it at the same time. So this book was written by presenting it as a program. Mm -hmm. Then I had it transcribed and put into a book. Then it's also a part of a, a talk that I do. So there's now three things, right? Um, my content, I put out one video a week, that video becomes my podcast, that becomes a transcription for my blog, mm -hmm. that becomes my social media posts. So I teach that in a program I have called multiplication, content multiplication magic, because it's magic. People are like, how are you doing all of this stuff? First of all, I have a team that helped me to do it. Um, and I've been able to outsource in a very financially savvy way. Um, and they're phenomenal. And I have a system in place to be able to repurpose. So that's, you know, that's another way. That's just what examples that I have done. Um, but we've done this for, you know, different clients um, in the use of videos that they've made. I was like, oh, I need a, I need a video uh, introducing my business or something. I'm like, great. So now what can you use that for? What can you repurpose that for? So we and, always, I'm always thinking that. And that keyword is repurpose. And there's so many people that goes, well, isn't that, 
isn't that kind of cheating? I'm like, well, no, we experience this all the time and everybody else is doing it. You just don't realize it. And everybody devours content differently. Exactly. Right? Some of them will listen to a podcast and some of them will watch a video. It could be the same content and they didn't even know about it. So uh, repurposing is one of those amazing things that I love teaching my, my clients as well. Mm. Now, when you were talking about uh, people's struggles when they're starting their businesses, what would you say would be the first two, three steps for somebody who wants to jump into their own business to either consider or think about? The most common thing that people do think about or think that they need right away is a business plan. And I'm not saying that people are wrong. I'm just thinking you're going to make a business plan about eight hours of your day. Well, what about the rest of the hours of the day? You know, where's your life plan? Mm -hmm. And that's where business owners get into trouble is they create the business plan, but they don't create the life plan. I call it a dynamic life blueprint because it talks about what you want in all areas of life. Now, why does this matter? Because <laughs> I had one, one client who took um, his business plan and was like, okay, hey, I want to put all of my all of my content into a program. I want to leave a legacy. And he had a, a recording studio in his home. He's like, I'm going to record it all there. I'm like, that's amazing. And then we've worked on the life plan. And his life plan was that he wants to sell his house in six months. I'm like, that's awesome. And are you ready to record that whole program in the next six months? And he's like, oh no, I'm probably going to do it over the, over the course of a year. Cause it's probably a few programs. I'm like, but you want to sell your house in six months. So you're going to have inconsistency in the recordings because you're not going to have your recording studio anymore. And he was like, ah, oh, I didn't think of that. So if you can simultaneously come up with what is not just like, what do I want for my life? Which is a hard question in and of itself, but what's ideal for my life. And then what's my business plan and then have them merge. Mm -hmm. Now, for a lot of business owners, they're going to face a lot of challenges on the way as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is a year of challenges. We're facing COVID and adjusting and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. What is the way, what was something that you've done that allowed you to adjust because of what's going on to let your business still thrive? Still thrive during COVID, you mean? Uh, I have multiple income streams. Mm -hmm. So... In the summer, not a lot of people want to take programs. No problem. I'm doing other things. You know, sometimes of the year, I'm not getting speaking engagements. That's okay. I'm selling books. Sometimes I don't feel like being out in the public. That's okay. I can sell some of my online programs that don't require me. So beneficial that I have multiple income streams so I don't have to worry about one of them not working at a certain time of the year or like live events. I was running so many live events and then obviously with COVID I couldn't. And so I just was like, okay, that income stream, we're just going to change that and we're going online and this is what we're doing instead. Also, I love variety and I get bored very easily. And so with COVID times, it's like everybody's on Zoom. It's all Zoom, 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 right? And so then I used my creativity to think, how can I make Zoom more fun? And so I actually came up with a whole bunch of games that can be used while on Zoom. Hmm. So first piece, everyone needs to have multiple income streams. 
and then like some passive income so you don't have to touch it and it happens that's nice as well uh, and then the other thing is get creative with the stuff you're already doing and see how you can just up level it or go even to deeper into what it is now multiple income streams is something that everybody dreams of mm. and people go well you're lucky because you have so many income streams but i'm sure you didn't have all of them all at once so over how long of a period of time did you actually create so many different streams of income? And then uh, what was the, what is the most uh, beneficial stream of income that you found that's helped you along? Yeah, you, you love your two questions, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Uh, okay, so over the course of the 10 years, and this is what I wanna tell every person that's new in their business or in the first year, pick one income stream and do it really, really well before you add on a whole bunch of others. Now, if you can just repurpose something like you're selling a program, selling a program, selling a program, and now it's a book, great. That's an easy just sidestep to create that. But don't try to be every, like do all of this from the beginning because you can't, it's too much unless you hire a team and the team is pumping out this stuff for you. Mm -hmm. So I started with coaching and I started with one-on-one -on -one coaching and then I moved to group coaching and I was doing workshops and I was doing some speaking engagements and I was using speaking engagements to feed my coaching business. And then two years in, I was sick of surface level networking. I was like, and then I thought, I can be mad about this or I can do something about it. So that's when I created Dynamic Women Global Club. It was called Dynamic Women in Action at the time. And then I was getting events. Now that was that income stream. Uh, I started selling more programs like that involved me. Then I brought in an elite coaching level. I had um, one book. Then I started doing these books, which is the collaborative books. Mm -hmm. So this was the very first one, Dynamic Women's Success Secrets. So top thought leaders, experts, and dynamic women share their stories and secrets on success. The next one was confidence. We're going to have the next one coming out in 2022. And so being able to like carry with me the stories of these amazing women and their secrets to others um, what are other income streams? I don't know. Then I added a podcast two years ago. Um, I'm trying to think of all the other things I created t-shirts and mugs, but it was like a, once I had mastered one, then I had permission to bring another one in hmm. master this one now bring another in. Cause if you think of like shoppers, drug mart, what did they start off selling drugs? It's in the name, right? <laughs> And now when you go into Shoppers Drug Mart, you, you can pick up Christmas gifts and jewelry and books and go to the post office. They've got like everything now, but, but they started off in the simple fashion. Mm -hmm. But when people start, they're like, but I need a book and I need this and I need this. It's like, well, prioritize and more than likely you need the one option that's fastest to cash. Right. For and, me, one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching, fastest to cash. Right. And a lot of people think that way and they, they stop. They go, okay, too overwhelming, too much stuff. I can't, I can't handle it. A book is a long game. And unless you're a famous person or have a major publishing deal or get lucky, you're not going to make a million dollars off a book, right? Right. Just the book sales, but you can use the book to get you speaking engagements, to get you coaching or to get other things happening in your business. But 
as I say to many people, I'm like, why, why are you doing a podcast now? <laughs> you haven't sold products yet. Don't go that route. Mm-hmm. Go, go the route that, you know, it's just one to two steps to cash, not hopefully you nurture and eventually someday someone reaches out and maybe they want to work with you. No, right. Pick the, pick the things that actually are going to work right away. Very, very well said. Now, uh, if you were on the world stage and you had one message that you want everybody to remember you by, what would that message be? You know, a lot of it does come back to you are more than your title. So dynamic women's all about who you are is more important than what you do. And I don't think it's being said enough that we are not our titles. We are ourselves. So you are Fong and you are energetic and you are skilled and you're a great listener, right? You're all these qualities. But the problem is people are like, I am this title. I am business owner. I am manager. I am mom. I am wife. But the thing is, those titles can be taken from us. Those we could be fired. We can just grow out of a title and we get boxed in, confined and defined by that. And what that does is it stops us from connecting on a personal level with someone. So you can imagine two real estate agents meeting each other. They're probably not very friendly because they feel like they're in competition. But if they showed up as who they are as individual people, we would get so much further. And when you're an expert at who you are, you can show up any place and just be you. It's so much easier. <laughs> very, very well said. Now, I know you have, uh, you have some other stuff to, to mm. take care of. So before I let you go, five very quick questions. And just give me the first thing that comes to mind. Okay, okay you're going on a road trip. And you get to pick three people, whether it's fictional, dead or alive, real celebrities, whatever it is. What are those three characters that's going to be in your car? Characters? It could be fictional, cartoon characters, celebrities, real people, whatever it is. Oh, you've really stumped me. I was supposed to be quick, quick to the draw here. You know, there it's funny. There, there are two people that I have been told I have the similar qualities to um, based on numerology. One of them is Mother Teresa and one of them is Oprah. Nice. And so I'm like a blend of the two of them. And then just to add some fire and spice, um, in the past, I've had a very quick, a very strong admiration for the business mindset that Madonna has, because <laughs> she can reinvent herself every single decade, right? Mm-hmm. And right. Be, still be relevant. So I don't know. That would be the weirdest car: Madonna, Mother <laughs> Teresa, and Oprah. You have a a song that's stuck in your playlist that plays over and over and over again for hours. What's that one song that you don't mind listening to for a long, long time? It might be that because I'm happy. Because <laughs> I'm happy. That just has just a simple message and it's catchy. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, is it Hasbro? Yeah, I think it's Hasbro. It calls and go, we're going to make a Dianopoly. And you need to pick five items that becomes the playing pieces that signifies you the best. <sighs> There would be some sort of like fire torch. And that's because I'm a trailblazer and I blaze a trail for my clients. 
there would be some sort of little compass thing that is all around uh, being able to have the clear direction. There would be a jet pack because I'm all about efficiency and productivity and like <laughs> forward. Uh, there'd be some sort of piece that would be relevant to being dynamic. I don't know what that would be. Dynamite. I'm all about positivity, change, being, you know, able to change. Uh, is that four, five? And there'd be a heart because I have such a big heart for mm. people and uh, I really, really care about my clients and their results. Okay. Stuck on desert island, you have to eat one food for the rest of your life with no consequence. What would that be? I think it would need to be um, like a really robust salad because <laughs> that's got everything you need. Wow, sounds so healthy. I said no consequence. Oh, <laughs> yeah, okay. Then the other option would be like sushi because I'm thinking like, what is a good source of protein and vegetables? And I guess there's rice in there first. Man. <laughs> All right. And last question. What is success like? But give me a number between one to three. Two. One, two. So how is success like a wedding cake? Oh, it's layered. It's <laughs> so layered. And success seems all sweet and lovely on the outside. But if you really want the right success in the world, you need to go deeper and on the inside because that's where the real richness and depth comes in. Awesome. Well done. Oh, uh, so before I let you go, do you have any last words or what's the best way to get in touch with you if they want to get your books or sign up for courses or listen to you speak? Yeah, well, they can jump on over to my website, dianerolston.com. I also have, and I don't know if you'll include the link, I also have a Facebook group, uh, Dynamic Women. You can just search Dynamic Women uh, Global Club. Uh, and I'd love to give a gift to your audience. Is that okay? Awesome. Well, I'm not going to say no to that. <laughs> okay, awesome. Well, I, uh, I believe that if we can just be, you know, 1% wiser each day, that we'll be able to really have the success that we want. And so I created this um, program that I'd love to gift to everyone. And what you get is you get three video summaries of the world's top business and leadership books because I don't got time to read three books a week, but I can watch a 12 minute summary three times a week. And what this is going to do is it's going to give you all those amazing ideas. It's really going to fuel your inspiration, especially if people are starting a new business, right? You need to know all these ideas. Um, and so people can go and grab that. If you'll put me, I don't know if you put the link in your, yeah, I'll, um, I'll add the link. Yeah. Uh, or you can go to the bit.ly link. It's wiser by Diane. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for that. I'm sure a lot of my listeners are going to be very appreciative of that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, thank you for your time and all those nuggets of, um, of uh, wisdom. So thank you very much. Thank you, Fong. And for everybody else, until next time, uh, she is Diane Rolston. My name is Fong Chua. Until next time, today is the day to lock your peak potential. We'll see you later.